Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett on News Radio WGNS FM 100.5, FM 101.9, AM 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. We're checking in with our friends from the Child Advocacy Center today here on the program. And uh, joining us this morning are both uh, Amanda Pruitt and Elizabeth Benton. And uh, good morning to you both. We're going to talk a little bit about forensic interviewing and what that is and uh, and how that's continuing here uh, during the, the pandemic. Um Amanda, you want to start us off here by talking a little bit about um, what forensic interviewing is? Uh, just kind of give us a, a, an idea on when you explain to someone your job, when you kind of explain that to us, if you would. Yes, I will. Thank you, Brian, for having us here today. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, I've been a forensic interviewer since 2013 at the Child Advocacy Center. And um, the way I explain it to people is it's basically a structured conversation with a child. Um, in that conversation, we're gathering details and we're doing it in a legally sound way. Um, it's child-led, child-focused. Uh, we do it at the Child Advocacy Center, which is most important because it's in a safe location for the child. Um we interview children ages 3 to 18, um, and we're using protocols to make sure that we're doing it in a legally sound way when we're talking to children. Well, you know, the the fact that um, now things are so different, um, being face-to-face and, and, and uh, you know, in, in the same room and all that kind of thing, uh, Elizabeth, I would think that that makes things a little more difficult to do that. It is a little bit more difficult. Um, we've had to make some changes. We do wear masks um, and we provide masks for um, the families that come to the center if they don't have their own. Um, that can prove to be interesting whenever you know, you're know you interviewing a three or a four-year-old, um, but we do the best that we can with that um, and try to distance ourselves as much as possible. Um, but child abuse is still happening, so these interviews do have to continue um, to happen as well. Yeah, uh, and we, we kind of talked a little bit about this last month, and um, Amanda, we were, uh, Sharon and I were discussing on the air, and, and, and with, with school being out for so long, there was an anticipation that once school got back into session that uh, we would see more reporting. And I know it's only been in for a week, but you, you all are kind of bracing for um, a lot of forensic interviews, I, I'm afraid to say. We are. We, uh, we are wanting those children to be at school so they can tell someone if something is happening. Uh, we just want everyone to know that here in the state of Tennessee, we're all mandated reporters. And if anyone thinks that a child is being abused, and it's if, even if you suspect it, not that if you know a child is being abused, but if you suspect it, it's extremely important. And it's state law that you call that in. Um, to the child abuse reporting hotline. And then it's left up to the professionals to investigate that and find out if abuse is occurring. Mm -hmm. Now, kind of um, walk us through, and either one of you, if you want to share uh, this, kind of walk us through what a a forensic interview might look like. I, I know that these are, are, are done in person and, and talking to children about things. I, I'm sure that you, you kind of have to pull out some different uh, techniques and interviewing and things of that nature. So anybody want to kind of walk us through what that might look like? 
Uh, well, what a lot of people don't know is that when a child comes into the CAC to be interviewed, um, the first thing is that we have a family advocate who greets the family at the door. Um, and she is going to be there for the family the whole entire process, the whole time, explaining everything to the family, uh, what to expect, what's going to happen next, how to support their child, um, and all those good things. Um, but uh, we have a special room that we take the child in, and it's um, um, it's designed for the child. It's um, they're um, I'm trying to think, Elizabeth, a good way to describe that room. Uh, it's a cozy, it has a couch, it has pillows, um, it has a colorful rug. So there's nothing in there that's really distracting to the child. There's no toys, there's nothing like that. Um, but it's still, it's very welcoming um, and very, I guess cozy would kind of be a good word um, so that they feel comfortable while they're in there and they're talking with us. Um, the only things that we really have in there um, are a white or a like a board that they can draw on if they want to. And then we generally have Play-Doh for them to play with. Um, and I've had, you know, 16 year olds pull out the Play-Doh. It's just, just something comforting about, you know, having some Play-Doh in your hands when you're talking about something. Um, so that's kind of what the room is like. The most important thing about the room is that there's a video camera in there. And we tell every single child that they are being video recorded. And then um, in the room directly next to us is um, usually where we have a CPS or child investigator with the Department of Children's Services and law enforcement in there watching it live. Um, and then it's video recorded so that we can utilize that recording later on if it's needed in court. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, maybe I need to bring some Play-Doh up here to the studio. Maybe that would help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess feel a little more comfortable here. But uh, we're, we're talking with Elizabeth Benton and also Amanda Pruitt with the Child Advocacy Center. Um, you know, when you think of um, interviews like this with, with authorities and, you know, you think of this cold, gray, dark room and, you know, um, a window on one side and these uh, cold, you know, metal chairs and a table and just people in there. And so you're, you're trying to make this a little more comfortable, it sounds, Amanda. Yes, it's absolutely everything opposite of what you just said. We have about um, eight different pillows in there. We have pillows they can sit on the floor. We have a small uh, round table they can sit at and draw. We allow the children take, to take as many breaks as they want to. They can get up and go to the restroom or um, if they want to grab a snack or a drink. Um, so it's, it's definitely um, child-focused and child-led. And, um, you know, if a child's not comfortable coming in there then we'll talk to them and give them time and uh, allow the parent to walk them back to see the room and get acquainted with it um so we're definitely doing what the child needs what's best for the child uh elizabeth would you kind of um talk to me about the importance of these forensic interviews i know amanda mentioned that uh, these are recorded and uh, can be used in court later on is this a way to hopefully keep uh, the child from having to appear in a courtroom and and also uh, is this used as as evidence in in the case this is used as evidence i actually just went to court last week um to have our my dvd my interview um put into a case as evidence so they are used as evidence um a lot of times once um a perpetrator has you know, seeing the video or whatever, then they end up actually taking plea deals is, you know, that's 
the video kind of speaks for itself and what has happened. They don't want to go to trial. Um, every, the videos are used in court. Um, they are, they still have to, um, I can't remember exactly how you word it, where they, um, they have to be able to face their accuser. Yes, thank you. <laughs> wording. Um, so kids still do have to go into the courtroom, but this DVD can be played um, so that they don't have to talk about everything that has happened to them. So the hope is that they um, won't have to share that from the stand. You know, I, I would think that also in those situations, you're, you, it may be more difficult to get the information on you know in a in a courtroom on the stand versus in a room where you take some of the barriers down do you see that amanda in 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 the process absolutely absolutely we would never ever want a child to have an audience when they're having to tell about one of the worst days or worst experiences in their life we would never want that it's our privilege to be able to provide these children with a safe location and to um, allow them to come in that room and tell us you know all these details that no one ever wants to hear but sadly they have endured and they need to tell us um, also we're trained on what questions to ask these children. Um, sometimes uh, people want to ask questions that maybe aren't, aren't appropriate for certain age groups. And um, again, we don't ever want that to happen. So um, one thing that a lot of parents, you know, ask us, what could I do differently is we always want parents or neighbors or um, anyone that thinks there might be child abuses to uh, find out bare minimum and then let us do our job and ask the children that way they don't have to tell their story over and over and over the child advocacy center offers um a place for the child to tell their story one time and then we gather as many details as we possibly can to help um dcs and law enforcement investigate that um allegation this is is i guess just a small part of of what goes on during the investigation but it's it's the would you say Elizabeth, maybe it's the linchpin. It's 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 critical toward the case. It can be critical because if the child doesn't come in and disclose anything, um, then it's hard to carry on with the case to go forward with prosecution and things like that. Um, we are taught that it's not the end all be all. You know, there are other um, you know factors going into it. Um, law enforcement is doing their investigation and CPS is doing theirs, um, but it is extremely helpful if the child does come to the CAC and gives um, a good disclosure. Um, and we do all meet once a month and we discuss all of these cases, all the aspects of these cases and um, bring all of the information together um, to try to decide you know, what the best course of action is for each individual case. Elizabeth, I'm curious, um, in communities that maybe don't have a child advocacy center or, or uh, you know, an organization that, that um, works alongside investigators for child protective services and, and, and the police, what do those communities do? Or, or is it more difficult in those situations? I would say it's definitely more difficult in those situations um, like Amanda said, the CAC is a safe place for a child to come to. Um, you know, if the child is having to be interviewed at a police department, many times um, perpetrators have told them, you know, if you tell anybody what's happened, then you're going to get in trouble. So if you take them to um, a police department, well, 
to them, that makes them feel like, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm at the police department. Um, I would say in Tennessee, we are very lucky that we have um, a lot of CACs across the state. Um, and we're all willing to do what we call courtesy interviews um, and to have children from other counties come to see us if that's needed. Um, so we all work very well together and we're lucky to have a lot of CACs across the state. Uh, we have Amanda Pruitt and Elizabeth Benton, who you just heard there, talking with us today from the Child Advocacy Center. Uh, they're forensic interviewers. And Amanda, I, I wanted to um, go back to something that we were talking about earlier during this pandemic. I know things have been much more difficult, but you've continued to respond to cases. So um, what are some of the challenges? Are, are they different now than maybe they were when, when things were completely shut down and quarantined? And uh, how do you expect things to go moving forward? Well, um, like we kind of talked about, yeah, we have been working the whole time. Um, so uh, I guess you would consider us the essential worker. We have not slowed down um, there for a second when uh, in March, when um, the COVID kind of scared everyone, um, we were still seeing the high priority cases and um, everybody kind of froze for a second. But yeah, we have been continuing to work um, the whole entire time. One barrier that uh, we've kind of you know worked through was uh, wearing the mask because in an interview, we use our facial expressions so often. And so we've learned to um, nod our heads a lot more or um, we're noticing children's eyebrows when they're smiling or looking sad. Um, so we've, we've been able to work around the the mask issue but um you know and two you know we're just screening everyone at the door making sure that everyone feels safe safe and um making sure that we don't expose anyone um and then also we are um sanitizing between every single family to make sure that we keep the uh, child advocacy center uh clean for sure also brian i just wanted to um explain that during a forensic interview we are also assessing for the safety of the child and where they live are they in a safe location are they in a safe home um and we're assessing for um, medical needs for that child um we have a child protective investigative partner that we utilize um to do the forensic medical exams and that's our kids in nashville and um you know that's one of the extremely important things that we're looking at during a forensic interview as well and I, I also um, remember part of our conversation last month uh, as a staff, you're, you're making sure that, uh, you know, you have like team one and team two. So you're not, uh, you know, not everyone's in the office at the same time. So definitely lots of uh, precautions that are being taken there. And just appreciate the work of the Child Advocacy Center and the two of you and, and the entire staff. And uh, if you'd like more information about the CAC here in Rutherford County at CACRutherford.org and in uh, Cannon County, which is a part of our local CAC, CannonCAC.org. Uh, Amanda and Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You bet. You bet. And that will do it for our program today. I want to remind you that if you missed any part of our interview, you can check out the podcast at WGNSRadio.com or wherever you listen to audio, whether it be iTunes or Spotify, any of those places, you can check out the audio there. Have a good day.